All right, how many of you are ready to get your ship together? That's our new series we're starting today. I did say boat just then. I just wanted you to know I did not cuss in church today. All right, open your Bibles to Psalm 119, verse 30. Did you know that the Bible is actually full of ship? It's got lots of boats in it. Noah built a big ship. Um, Paul was shipwrecked. Let's see who else. Um, you know, Jesus and his disciples, they were always in a boat. So there's lots of boats and ships in the Bible. And there's lots of other ships that maybe you haven't thought about. We're going to talk about in just a minute. But before we get there, I want to give you an introductory verse out of the book of Psalms, chapter 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. We're going to go all the way down to verse 130. And before we get started, I just want to say hello to all of our folks that are watching us on Facebook Live and HarvestMobile.com. And everybody over in the family venue, hello. And I also want to welcome all of our VIPs, those of you that may be a first-time guest today. We're glad that you're here. And I'd love to meet you personally. I'll be in the VIP lounge after the service today. And we've got a, I want to give you a free Harvest Church t-shirt. So you can say, Harvest Church, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And we just want to bless you and give you a gift. So I'd like to, like to meet you in person. Psalm 119 and verse 130. And it says this, The entrance of thy words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So this verse really explains a mystery. And the mystery is, how can people sit in church and never receive divine revelation from God? Revelation that's going forth. But how does it not gain entrance into their life? And also, how can people sit under the teaching and preaching of God's word and, and, and worship like we just experienced that was amazing, the presence of God, and just and not grow up spiritually? It's a good question, isn't it? So it's the entrance of God's word that brings light. That word means development. But it gives understanding to the simple. Now, the simple doesn't mean like, stupid or simpleton that's not what it means it simply means this God's word gives understanding to the uncomplicated so we're thinking oh man I'm that's why I'm in trouble because my life is complex and complexity in and of itself isn't bad right I mean think about it our our cars today you can buy a brand new car and they got computers and all these complex things you know it's not like I used to have an old 66 Mustang it was just simple well complexity is not bad in and of itself uh how about your body our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made right how about our wives okay we better not talk about that one but they're beautiful though there's some complexity there so complexity in and of itself isn't bad but it says that the entrance of his word gives light to those who are living an uncomplicated life so if our life is too complicated we will not be able to benefit from the light of God's word. So as Christians, the Bible says that we've been translated out of darkness, right? We've been taken out of darkness. We've been brought into light. But I know some Christians that are walking in some, uh, some pretty tall shadows. And what's a shadow? A shadow happens when something comes between you and the light. And so there are many Christ followers that, yeah, they're born again, but they're not living the abundant life that Jesus intended. It came to give us that he intended for us to live. So a lot of people are stumbling. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of examples. 
as, of, of people stumbling through life. You know, when you can't see, when there's darkness or shadows, you have a tendency to stumble. But how about this one? People say, well, man, I, why are my bills not paid? I, I've been giving. I became a tither. Or how about this one? Uh, why am I sick and not healed? I'm partaking of communion. I had the elders lay hands on me and pray for me. Or how about this one? Uh, Why am I not walking in abundant life in my relationships? So what is keeping his word from entering our lives and bringing development? What's the complication, right? So... By understanding, because that's what his word brings, it brings understanding to the simple, that's the only way that you can get your ship together. So, um, if you've been in the dark, like we kind of were a minute ago, we were worshiping, you know, kind of had the lights down low, and the reason we do that is not so it feels like, um, you know, a, a nightclub, but so that people will feel unhindered to worship God, right? And so... I mean, when we first got all of our lights and all that stuff, I said, man, it feels like a, light, feels like a, a, a nightclub in there. I'm like, well, it's, it's actually a light club. So we, we're, we're out of the night now. We're in the light. We're walking in the light. But it's just, it's just creating an atmosphere, okay? And, but, you know, if, you, if you're in the dark, and then what happens if somebody turns the light on real quick, can you see really good? You're like, whoa, dude, turn the light off. I hear that every morning when I'm waking my youngest son, come on, man. Well, you got when you turn the light on, there's an adjustment period, right? And how many, when you open God's word and you're reading God's word, the light is shining into your life. And, and if you've had darkness in an area of your life, at first you might squint a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So let's talk about some of the ships that are in the Bible. How about, how about partnership? The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. At first you might be like, whoa, dude. Hold on just a second. Or wives, submit to your husbands. You're like, whoo, hold on now. Just give, give me a minute. My, my eyes are adjusting to, to partnership, to, to the truth that comes in God's word. Or, or how about citizenship? The Bible says, you know, to submit and cooperate with the governing authorities or render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. In other words, pay your taxes. And you're like, whoa, wait, hold on, hold on. Just give me, give me a second. That's kind of bright. It's kind of, hard, kind of hard to see that. Or how about this lordship? There's lots of ships in the Bible. Remember I told you the Bible's full of ships. So here's, here's the biggest one of all. The biggest ship of all is lordship. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're a sinner, you don't know Jesus. At first you hear that and you go, whoa, whoa, hold on. You, you, there's an adjustment period, isn't there? Or how about this one? Relationship. The Bible says, Forgive those who've done you wrong. Pray for those who despitefully use you. You're like, woo hold on, hold on. That's kind of bright. Give me, give me a second. My eyes are, my eyes are adjusting to, to that one. How about this one? Stewardship. Bring all the tithe, 10% of your increasing income into the storehouse. Prove me in this, saith the Lord. And see if you do this, if I will not throw open the floodgate of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing you don't even have room enough to receive it you might think man everybody's gonna get excited about that but a lot of people they're like "Woo, that, that's bright hold on let me let me get my sunglasses that's s-o-n see what i did there so just get my sunglasses and i might even tie a bandana around my my eyes because i don't know if i want to see that one or not man i can barely pay my bills on the money i'm making and you tell me to give 10 percent to jesus what's wrong with you you crazy man stewardship it's a little bright at first 
Just like lordship and citizenship. And how about this one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's worship. How about this one? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's membership. That's why we're glad you're watching this online today. But go to church. You got to be here. And this, I love technology. This is great. If you're out of town or on vacation or if you live in another city and you go to church somewhere else, but you just tune in and watch us before you go. That's awesome. Or if you're sick, if one of the kids at home, you tune in and watch the church. I love it. That's great. If you're on vacation, you still want to come to church, you can come virtually. I love it. But you need to get together with other people, like in person. Not like, well, yeah. Did I go to church? Well, virtually. No, we want you actually here. That's why God inspired one of the apostles to write it and it ended up in the Bible. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So I know I'm pre- preaching to the choir because y'all are all here. You know, but, but. You're, you're kind of here, but you need to come because we need what you supply and you need what we supply. We need each other. That's why you see some people, they, they come to church, uh, and you see them at the church, but they're still flaky. That's because they haven't joined the small group yet. Because you can look all spiritual until you get around people. I'm very spiritual when I'm by myself. I mean, I'm like a saint. It's amazing. But then I get around people, and they, like, bug me, and, like, I get, want to get fleshy. That's, what, that's what, when we see how spiritual we really are in the context of membership and relationships and citizenship. How about this one? Endure hardship like a good soldier. Man, I wish that ship wasn't in there. Hardship. How about this one? The Apostle Paul, he, he said this. He goes, I wrote this letter with my own hand. So penmanship, it's in the Bible. Penmanship. How about this one? Alabama football championship. Okay, that one's not in the Bible, but I just thought I'd throw it in there. I told my wife, my family last night, I said, we're probably going to have a revival tomorrow at church because Auburn and Alabama won. Probably going to be the biggest offering of the year. It's going to be a great day. Record-breaking attendance. <laughs> so in the Bible, you got pastorship, apostleship, eldership, uh, spaceship. I couldn't find that one in there, but, but there's all kinds of ships in the world. The Bible is full of ships and but the bible is a book that god gave us to help us get our ship together so we don't sink right you don't want your ship to look like that we want your ship to look more like the love boat i remember the love boat all right so as you stick with god's word understanding comes to your life in these areas different areas of your life regarding these different ships if you will so if complication keeps us from receiving the light of God's word that we have to walk in for our lives, then how do we declutter or uncomplicate our lives? How do we get our ships together? I'm going to give you two major verses this morning that we're going to focus on. There's going to be four or five verses total, but here's the two major verses. And the first one is the book of Psalms, chapter 46 and verse 10. Psalm 46, 10. If you're taking notes, jot this down. It says, be still and know that I am God. How many of the summary of Christianity is knowing God and making him known? And by the way, this is a different sermon for a different Sunday, but you can only make him known to the degree that you know him. So knowing everything begins with knowing God. It's not a religion. Christianity is supposed to be a relationship. Now, so for some folk, it's a religion, but for us, the way God he intended it is for it to be a relationship. So how do you build that relationship with God? You have to go to a place called still, 
And you can't know him unless you get still. So what do you mean get still? I mean you have to create time in your schedule to read the Bible and to pray. It's not more complicated than that. I'm not a very complicated man. Guess I asked my wife. She'll agree. She's like, it's so easy to make you happy. I'm like, that's right. That's why I'm so happy all the time. Most of the time. I have my moments. Usually when I'm like a baby, tired or hungry, <laughs> I get grumpy, you know. But most of the time I'm happy. You got to make time in your schedule. We're going to talk about how to do this to read your Bible and to pray. Life doesn't have to be uncomplicated to know about God, but it has to be uncomplicated if you're going to actually know him intimately and personally in such a way that the reality of his presence and power shows up and shows off in your life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just know about God. I want to know God experientially. I want his power and presence working in my life. That's kind of why I signed up for this deal, right? Okay, so how do I get that happening? You got to make time, a little time in your schedule for Bible reading and prayer. Now, you can listen to the Bible on your phone. That's fine as long as you don't get distracted by your phone because it's the distractions that keep you from being still and knowing that he is God. Now, uh, about four years ago, maybe it was five years ago, I don't remember now, but uh, my youngest son and I, uh, Garrison, I'm about to impress you. Are you ready to be impressed? So we flew on a private jet to Dallas, and we watched the NCAA Men's National Championship College Basketball game with President Barack Obama and President Bill Clinton. It's true. Uh, I'm in church. I would not lie. We flew in a private jet, and we watched the basketball game with the presidents. Are you impressed? You should be. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Now, it was not our private jet, so you're probably a little less impressed now. Um, and we were in the same room with the presidents. It was just a very large room that seated about 40,000 people. And they were about 15 to 20 rows down in front of us in a private suite. But we watched the game together in the same room. course they had security and they wouldn't let us anywhere near the presidents but we were in the same arena room so it's one thing to know about God it's another thing to know God right it's another one thing to be fronting like I know the president like I watched the, yeah me and the me and the press we watched the game sounds good doesn't it until you know all the details and then some people are like yeah yeah I know God but what they really mean is I know about God I just look religious because I go to church every now and then. <laughs> the Bible says that that's having a form of godliness and denying the power that's available. So here's what I'm trying to do as your friend, as your pastor. I'm trying to get you connected to the power so you don't just look religious. Because honestly, that doesn't do you any good. Because when the storm hits, looking religious, all of a sudden all the holes in your boat. Like the Titanic, baby. You don't want that. So, how do you get connected to the power? And the good news is, it's not hard. God made it and designed it to where it's not difficult to get to know him. You might think, well, that's good news. Let me give you a verse. Here we go. 
Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Everybody say, wait for it. That word wait means to wait expectantly. Expectantly. So conceptually, if we blend these two verses together and combine them, we understand how to get our ship together. And you be still, that's step one. Let go of the things that pull us in a hundred directions. Get rid of the distractions, the complications, while we wait expectantly on the Lord to show up in our life. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a statement, and if, if this seems like it sounds true, just in everyday life, give me an amen. Are you ready? Everyday complications will show up and challenge you knowing God. Okay, me too. So we have to manage these complications. We got to eliminate the distractions that, that come to steal, kill, and destroy. So try to keep God from revealing himself personally to us. So here's the $64,000 question, how? As you know, I'm a very practical application kind of preacher. I want to give you something that, I mean, it sounds good on Sunday, but I want you to be able to live it on Monday. All right? Like my grandma used to say, she's an American Indian Pentecostal woman of God, and she used to say, it doesn't matter how high you jump on Sunday morning if you don't walk straight on Monday. So I want you to walk straight. God doesn't make it hard to know him. It takes setting aside a little time for word and prayer. Again, it's, it's simple, simple, simple. If, if, if your mind is filled with anxieties that complicate life, and they're out there, I get it, I understand life happens. But here's what happens. If you're, if you're always looking at the clock or if, if you're always hustling and moving constantly, then you don't have time to be connected. What happens if you don't plug in your phone? Eventually, it dies. Now, i got a brand-new phone case. It's, it's amazing. Somebody blessed me with it. And I can end my day where I used to, you know, my phone would die at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, when I go to bed at night, I got like 94% still because this has a little battery on the back. It's amazing. So I want you to be able to have more than enough power to get you through the day and have some in reserve left over. And it's not hard, but you've got to do it. Okay? It's not difficult, but you have to do it. Everybody say, just do it. All right. So here's how you get your ship together. And let me just say parenthetically, not having God in your everyday life is very complicated. So what do I mean when I say get your ship together? This is what I mean. It means this, to eliminate the complications and the distractions that are going to try to keep you from being still and knowing that he is God. So sin complicates your life. True or false? Knowing God or obedience to God's word simplifies your life. True or false? Okay. All right. Adultery complicates your life. True or false? Okay. Lying complicates your life. True or false? Right? Right? Because then you got to think, well, what did I tell him? What did I tell her? And it's, it's simple if you just tell the truth. Then you don't have to remember what you told anybody. You just tell the truth, right? Cheating complicates your life. True or false? I remember my sophomore year in high school. You have to remember, realize that after I, my freshman year in high school, that summer is when I got right with God. I was on fire for Jesus. And my sophomore year, I took a history class 
one of the football coaches, and I never did my homework because I would just copy uh, Sharon's homework every morning. I get I get to class a little early and just copy Sharon's homework and turn it in. And so uh, one day I'm copying Sharon's homework. This is a great arrangement that we had, and and uh, the Holy Spirit. I'm like halfway through copying the homework, and the Holy Spirit said, <clears throat> I'm like, excuse me, Lord, but I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy right now. And the Lord said, you're cheating. I'm like, I, I, I mean, is it really cheating? I mean, he's like, you're stealing. You're stealing that girl's homework. I said, is it really, really stealing if she gave it to me? You know? And the Lord said, well, it was cheating. I said, hmm, you're probably right. <laughs> the Lord said, you know, I can't bless that. If, if you want to live the abundant life, because I already had the teacher one time come over and say, how come your homework looks just like Sharon's homework? I'm like, that's amazing. And I, I, I told the teacher, lying, right? I said, she, she might be looking at my paper. <laughs> Complication, right? So the Holy Spirit, he said, I cannot bless you if you're cheating. I'm like, oh. And it doesn't please me or honor me when you're cheating. I'm like, oh. Lord, I want to please you. I want to honor you. The Lord said, then repent, quit cheating. I said, you know what? You're right. Tomorrow, I'm going to quit cheating. The <laughs> Lord said, I'd rather you quit right now. Right, right now? Right now. I gave Sharon back her homework, and I said, I, I can't copy your homework anymore. She's like, why is my handwriting bad? I said, no, no, you got beautiful handwriting. That's not it. I, I can read it. It's just the Lord won't let me. She's like, who? I'm like, you know, Jesus. She's like, oh, okay, whatever. And I quit cheating. I turned, I turned what I did copy and I got a 50, which is better than a zero. But from then on, I either got a zero or I did my homework myself. I repented of cheating. Man, you talk about going through withdrawals. That was easy for me not to cheat now. But back then, it was like, oh, man. But I had to create a discipline in my life to do homework. That was new for me at that time in my life. So I quit. I repented of cheating, and it simplified my life. Because how many know when you're witnessing, you're telling somebody about the Lord, and you're inviting them to church, and, and she's like, aren't you the same guy that copies my homework every... Kind of hurts your witness. Complicates things. But obeying the word of God simplifies your life. Makes it easier so as christians if you're taking notes i'm going to want you to jot this down this is a very important statement uh let me say it to you this way about not quite two years ago the lord spoke to me and he said i'm going to raise up some millionaires out of your congregation some of you remember me talking to talking to you about that and um and uh, actually several of you raised your hands that i volunteer <laughs> so so if you're one of those people you want to write down what i'm about to say you ready okay because if you don't do this it ain't going to happen. It's going to be a pipe dream. As Christians, as Christ followers, we are created to be managers for God. Remember Adam in the garden? God created the whole world. and He goes, all right, Adam, manage it. Take care of it. Steward it. So we are stewards of what God has given us in this life. So today we're going to just introduce the second most important ship in our series of ships. We'll talk about the most important ship in a few weeks. But today, I want to introduce to you stewardship. And the reason it's the second most important is because it affects all the other ships. Now, the most important ship, which is lordship, by the way, it affects all the ships. 
But stewardship impacts everything else. What is a steward, you may ask? I'm glad you asked. Jot this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, jot this down. A steward is one who manages or administrates an estate. He owns nothing, but he has access to everything. How many know it all came from God? It's about managing resources to the end of fulfilling God's agenda. Did you know that God has an agenda that he wants fulfilled here in the earth? And he needs us to manage stuff so that his agenda comes to pass here in the earth. What's his agenda? He wants people to get saved, plugged into a local church, be discipled, join a small group, pursue eternity's priorities. How we like to say it here at Harvest Church is, He wants people to experience Jesus, get connected, discover their destiny, and change the world. So that's what we're hoping is happening in and for you. As if you're experiencing the reality of Jesus, that you're getting connected and plugged in to a small group so that you're walking in freedom, that you're discovering your gifts and talents and serving, and you're doing your part to change the world. We all have a part to play. But to do that, you're going to have to manage resources. You might think, oh boy, I don't know if I'm a very good manager. Well, let me tell you what a manager is. So here's the definition of manage, okay? It's the utilization and organization of resources. Managing is the utilization and organization of resources to reach a desired purpose or goal. Utilize and organize stuff to reach a goal. Now, that means to manage, we have to be organized. And some of you are thinking, Oh, snap, I'm in trouble. I'm not very organized. All right, I got good news for you today. The good news is that you're created in God's image, and he's very organized. Yeah. You should have just said amen right then because that's going to help somebody. We're going to tell you how to tap into that organizational ability, okay? So what does it mean to organize? It means to put things in working order. How many want your life in working order? Okay, all five of you about to get helped right now. All right, (laughs) order is the accurate arrangement of things. It means you cook in the kitchen, you poop in the bathroom, and you don't mix them up, right? You do the right thing in the right place. You park in the garage, not the living room, okay? The accurate arrangement of things. It means to gather elements into a functional arrangement. So you can organize or agonize, right? So you can categorize all the things that you've been given in this life, spiritual things and natural things, into three major categories. You ready? And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. So don't miss a Sunday in September because it's going to be very practical to help you fulfill your dream and accomplish your God-given destiny and goals. So everything you've been given in this life, spiritual and natural, can be categorized into three areas. Number one, time. Number two, Resources, stuff, money, however you want to say it. Number three, relationships. Because our Christianity is a relationship. Time, so we're going to talk about time management. What's time management? I mean, time is the most precious resource that we have, right? When you're out of time, you're out of life. Mark Twain said, don't squander time. It's the stuff life is made of. So if you don't manage your time well, how many of things get complicated? Right? Come on now. So there's biblical principles that you can apply and put into practice so that you can find some time to be still and know that he's God. And I'm not just talking about on a hunting trip or a family vacation. I'm talking about every day, find time. So we're going to talk, I'm going to teach you how to do that. 
Number two, resource management. How many know if you don't manage your money and your stuff, life gets complicated? Can I get it? Amen. <laughs> it's true anyhow, isn't it? So if, if, if money is a complication for you, you're not managing it properly. So in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk, take a whole Sunday and talk about managing your money. Now, to put you at ease, I want you to know that there are times as a pastor when I teach and preach on stewardship and it involves giving because I think giving is a part of our stewardship and managing resources for God. But this is not a sermon that I'm going to preach to get you all jacked up to write a bigger check in the offering, okay? So just ah, relax. This is, a series, this is a message in a couple of weeks that I'm going to teach you. I might even do it next week on how to more um, appropriately manage the money that you do have so that you can begin to come up out of debt and you can begin to live an abundant life and even leave an inheritance for your kids and grandkids. So this is not a, a message to get you to give money to the church. It's to teach and train you how to steward and handle what you've got so that God can entrust you with more. Okay, so, but I will say that there's nobody on the planet other than maybe your mama who wants you out of debt more than me, or maybe your wife wants you out of debt, but I want you out of debt, okay, because I want you living an abundant life, and I want you being slave to a borrower, and somebody's got to write the big checks around here. It's not the people in debt. I got, I have, I now have at least a $7 million plan. Somebody asked me the other day. Josh said, if somebody wrote you a $7 million check, what would you do with it? About 10 minutes later, I texted him back a plan. He's like, man, that was quick. I'm like, I've been thinking about this. I'm going to be ready when it shows up. Right? Right. I mean, a $7 million check to the church. I mean, if somebody wrote me a $7 million check, the plan wouldn't really be that very different, honestly, because that's where my heart is. I mean, if they wrote it to me personally, it might involve a house on the river, and if they wrote it to the church, it wouldn't. But other than that, it's basically the same plan. Same plan. Seriously. So do you have a million-dollar plan? To quote one of the great preachers of our time, T.D. Jakes, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. You got to write the plan. Write the vision. Make it plain. Would, would you even know what to do with a million bucks if somebody gave it to you? You'd say, oh, I'd figure it out. Yeah, you'd probably get yourself in worse trouble than you're already in. Get a plan. And then when it shows up, work the plan. You'll be ready. All right, I don't want to get into my message for the future, but resource management. Number three is relationship management. How many know if you don't manage your relationships, life gets complicated? Whether it's a simple disagreement to a full-on war. Relationship management is important, right? And there's no area of our life that causes more fulfillment than managing our relationships properly for those that we love, okay? So we're going to talk about relationship management. It's one of the most important ships that we manage. So before we can become wise, we have to be organized. I tried to make that rhyme. I don't know if it did. But before we can be wise, we have to be organized. It almost rhymes. Anyway, Proverbs 16, 16 says this. How much better to get wisdom than gold? Okay, how many of you really believe that? Like, really? I don't know, man. Pile of gold. Wisdom. Mm. The Bible says it's better to get wisdom than gold. It's better to get understanding than silver. Because if you've got wisdom and understanding, you'll know how to get the silver and the gold. But if you don't have wisdom and understanding, it will make wings for itself and fly out of your life. 
Organizational ability is only less important than wisdom itself. So how do I get organized? It begins with a mental process. I'm going to teach you over the next few weeks how to work this mental process to get organized. Now, some of you in here, naturally, you're very organized. Your temptation is going to be to lean to your own understanding. Understanding means organizational ability. I don't want you leaning on your own understanding. And those of you who are not very gifted in this area, you're going to say, okay, I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. So what do you do? We need to all acknowledge God in all of our ways because what does he do? He makes our steps smooth and straight. He makes our path clear, uncluttered. So here's another verse before we go. Psalm 49 and verse 3, it says this, my mouth shall speak of wisdom. That's where... Getting your ship together begins is right here, about an inch below your nose. You got to stop saying stupid stuff. You got to talk right. So my mouth will speak of wisdom. And then notice the next part of Psalm 49.3. It says, the meditation of my heart will be of understanding. It tells us what to think about. Isn't the Bible awesome? It says, think about this. Understanding. Meditate on understanding. Well, what does understanding mean? Well, if you can see it, you can be it. Jesus said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why, fellas, it's very important that you don't think about making out with somebody you're not married to. Because if you think about it long enough, you'll walk it out. I'm helping you now, I know. So that's why it's important that you use that godly imagination that you have And you think about productive, life-giving things because if you think about those things, those things will manifest in your life, right? Because it all begins here. Understanding means to get things arranged properly. So the Bible tells us what to think about. The word understanding means to mentally sort. I mean, some things you just, they come into your mind but you just sort them out, right? The Bible says, says it in, I think it's 2 Corinthians 10, 10, 4, that we take every thought captive. So some thoughts, they, they, they come because the devil sends some of them. You just sort those out. You say, whoop, not going to think about that. Or maybe the devil didn't send it. Maybe she just walked by and you're like, whoo, not going to think about that. Or ladies, 70% off sale. Whoop, whoop, not going to think about that. So, you, you, some things we sort out. Sort it out. Organize, separate, distinguish, arrange. That's what understanding means. So, this is how you begin becoming an organized person. This is how you get your ship together, so to speak. You think for a change. You think about what you think about. Be intentional about what you think about. And, and a lot of people, they're disorganized because they don't meditate on anything. They don't think about anything. My wife, sometimes she'll say, what you think about? I'll say, nothing. She says, oh, come on, baby. Tell me what you're, let's connect. Tell me what you're really thinking about. I say, you really want to know? She say, yeah. I'll say, nothing. Men can do that. It's like a superpower. We can think about nothing. It's awesome. I don't think women can do that. They're always thinking about something. It's amazing. All right, but, but seriously, the reason that a lot of people are disorganized is because they either they don't think about anything or 
They fantasize on unproductive things and then they wonder why their life is sinking. But your life is sinking because you're thinking about unproductive things. If your life is sinking, think about what you're thinking. So a lot of folks, they just roll out of bed. Barely enough time, they jump in their britches. They grab a piece of toast on the way out the door and they say, hallelujah, and it's not raining today. And they call that their devotion. And then when complications of the day come, they just try to, you know, one at a time, they try to, try to fight their way through the day. And then they get home, they're like, whoo, man, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted, oh Lord. That's not the words of that song, by the way. So there's a better way to live. You got to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he directs your path. So don't get so caught up in your own organizational ability that you don't lean on the spirit of understanding. How many of there's nobody more organized than the Holy Ghost? Take advantage of his presence in your life. So everybody say this with me. Say the organizer of the universe lives in me. I have the organizational ability of God in me. So as you meditate on the resources that are available to you, begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, your life begins to take shape, get into order. Instead of sinking, you're floating, you're winning. One last verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Romans 8, 26 and 27. They'll put it up on the screen for you. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. How many know when you're disorganized? That's a weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered with known speech. Now, he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when you let the Holy Spirit pray through you, you're praying out the perfect will of God for your life. Man, isn't that a great advantage? What a powerful tool we have available to us. So if you, if you do this, God begins to connect the dots for you in your life and help you to formulate a plan for your cash flow situation. You begin to meditate, take some, be still and know that he's God. He begins to give you a strategy for your strained relationships. You begin to be still and know that he is God. Take a little time to pray and read the word of God. He begins to, he begins to give you a structure for your schedule and your calendar. Next thing you know, your ship's not sinking. You're in ship shape. So over the next few weeks, I want to help you get in ship shape regarding your time, your money, and your relationships, okay? It's going to be very practical. I mean, you're going to be able to do this stuff, implement it immediately. And to the degree that you practice it and do it will be the degree that you rise up above the complications and storms and disorder of life and simplify your life and begin to sail through without having to go through all the storms. You start going around some of them, okay? Does that sound good to anybody? All right. So... A lot of people, the reason they don't think about their schedule or their relationships or they don't think about their money is because it's stressful. Who wants to think about, you know, the mean relative or the, the creditor calling or I don't have time to do, hardly do anything? No, but if you, if you it's, it's leverage. It's one of the four, I'm reading a book called The Four Disciplines of Execution and it, one of them is leverage. So you take a little bit, if, 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 does it make sense that if you took two percent of your time and leveraged it to plan the other 98 percent that the 98 percent would be more productive 
So you leverage what you've got to make the rest of what you have more fruitful and more powerful. That's one of the reasons that we bring the tithe to the storehouse. We give God 10%. We take the little bit and we bring it back to him and we leverage it because the Bible says that when we give tithes, not, not tithes like you wear around your neck, but tithe, it's a Hebrew word, it means 10%. When you give God your 10% on the earth, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus himself receives it in heaven. So it's like the offering basket. When it goes by you, it's like a portal. You put it in and it shows up in heaven. I don't know how that works. We'll figure it out one day. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep leveraging my little so that the rest is blessed. So in conclusion, if you're willing to schedule and allocate time to meditate and pray in the Holy Spirit, you will become an organized person and get your ship together. And your boat will float. I keep, y'all know I'm saying that word, right, with a P at the end. Just want to make sure y'all knew that. Okay. And you do this, you'll benefit from the light and the understanding that God's word brings you. And you'll know experientially and practically the power and the presence of God in your everyday life. Isn't that what we want? We want life to work. We want it to work organizationally, financially, relationally, spiritually. So... Keep coming for the next few weeks. I want to challenge you to make a commitment. Don't miss a Sunday. And we're going to go through these tools on how to manage these areas of our life and steward them for maximum benefit. All right? Amen. And it can begin today. Because I gave you the biggest tool of all is to be still, know he's God, wait on the Lord, renew your strength. Just take a little bit of time and spend it with him. And everything else begins to take shape and get in order. All right? Amen. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before your throne of grace. And we are grateful and thankful that we are able to come together and worship you and learn some tools that will help us practically experience the abundant life that you came to give to us. So help us to implement these principles of your word in our life so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. In the name of Jesus. If you're here today, the greatest, the greatest ship of all is lordship. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to encourage you today to make Jesus your Lord. You can, if, that, if your life is out of order spiritually, I'm going to lead you in the prayer of lordship to Jesus for him to be your Lord. Come on. If you're here, if you're watching us online in the family venue, if you're in the room today, join us in this prayer as the whole congregation says it together. Say it with me right now. Just mean it from your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I repent of my sin. I'm leaving the old life behind because I believe you died for my sins. They buried you. But on the third day, God raised you from the dead. And I say, Jesus... You are my Lord. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, welcome home. You just got born again. We're so happy that you made that huge step in the right direction. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs>